1: If it's social then you really could be leading it.
0: You can't let people say it's so serious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now Carrie Kirpin Edlin Laye is the global
1: lead for social media at Johnson & Johnson, but she has a story that is rich in social media history. Working on the campaign for Real Beauty is just one of the examples of the way that she's impacted change on the brand side and the agency side. Listen to her incredible story now. You're gonna love her and her analogies. Welcome, Edlin, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you on today. And I would love to know before we get into all of the exciting things happening at Johnson & Johnson, I would love to hear all of the exciting things that have happened to you in your career and how you got to where you are today, which is this incredible, to me, highly enviable, amazing position. So I I would love to know the story of how you got to where you are.
2: For sure. It was a, a series of happy accidents, if Love I that. could say that. Um I started my career as a strategy consultant, so for a company called the Monitor Group, um, did a lot of you know strategy consulting engagements, but really found that the things that I liked were in marketing. So I actually ended up getting recruited into uh, Unilever. Um, which was a great experience because I got put on the Dove team about six months before we started the campaign for real beauty. Mm. So I learned a lot about traditional marketing through that experience and uh, went on to work at Anheuser-Busch and kind of realized that, you know, marketing was really fun, but people kept telling me when they met me that you would be doing so much better on the agency side. So I did a stint at a little agency. I'm actually Canadian. So in Toronto, um, they really focused in on youth culture. And I had always been really partial to digital things. So I was the tinkerer at home. Um, I won't date myself, but I, (laughs) I got a computer at a really young age and my dad could never figure out how to install the games on it. So I would do that. And it was a really nice opportunity to bring those two pieces of what I did together um, and really realize that, you know, there's an opportunity to do more digital marketing. And uh, I have to really thank a good friend of mine because I kept talking about Facebook, um, you know, about nine years ago or something like that. And they would say, you know, I keep hearing about this Facebook thing, but I don't know anything about it. Would you mind coming into my office and just talking to us about Facebook and how we might use that as a marketer, because you used to be a marketer. How do we figure out how to do this? And I just kept doing that and turned that into a little side business.
0: Wow. And um,
2: that's how I really started getting into this whole crazy world of social and just sort of explaining how I would use it as a marketer. So um, I ended up hooking up with a company called Syncats that worked in uh, Toronto as well, but did a lot of things with US clients. And it was about really how the heck do we figure out this Facebook thing? How do we get started? Where do we put our content? And uh, that's how I actually ended up in New York and uh, then found my way to Johnson & Johnson um, through my fantastic boss, Gail Horwood. So um, met her at, at a, a few things, and it is one of those stories where, you know, you never know who you're going to meet, and she had a, a need for someone in social, and here I am. So it, it's been a really great experience, a really fun ride.
1: Wow. So you did consulting, then you went to brand and yep. then you went to agency and then back to brand. Is that? the I, uh, Yes. I'm like agency brand, agency brand. I'm I'm a true hybrid. I've wow. done both for many years. Wow. So talk to me a little bit about what you love about the agency side versus what you love about the brand side.
2: Yeah. And, and even really the startup side. On yes. Level, it was yes. A startup that I worked on, too. Um, I think with the agency side, it's really interesting because you are designed or really focused on getting to the cutting edge, right? So what's new, what's exciting, that is your job is to figure out bringing the best solutions and innovations to your clients. And so I think that's an incredibly exciting thing to have that task and really be focused in on that and figuring out the most creative way to solve these problems. So I loved... Being on the agency side, because that was my job and really helping my clients understand how to really approach a a problem from a different way or really get to those best solutions. It was incredibly exciting. And of course, the people that you work with are all sort of creative. And cool. So fun. So cool. So artsy. Yes. Exactly. So I love that energy of being in an agency. Yes. And and same similarly with the startup, right? Like it's really fun to, you know, you never know what's gonna happen um when you show up at work. That that's incredibly exciting. So I I love the agency side. I think at the same time though, on the client side, there's an opportunity to really have control of the problems that you're trying to solve. And yes. really set a direction and a path and I find it incredibly rewarding because and you're kind of stuck with it. So it's not that, you know, we did the pitch and we printed the stuff and off we go, we're done. It's okay, now what happens next? So that continuity is something that I really Mm. enjoyed. And that was something actually in consulting that I struggled a little bit with was, here's a strategy. Bye. You know, and uh, I I really wanted to know what happened. Yes. You get get to really
1: see it through. You can really, really see it through. Exactly. I would tend to agree with that as well. Okay, so very few people I'm going to go with. I can count on one hand of my social ladies who I've interviewed have been on a campaign that I can truly say without question went viral. Right. And so the campaign for real beauty is a great example of that. Sort of campaign where the campaign for real beauty just really kind of changed the way we look almost changed the way we looked at marketing. I think it was a really incredible piece. Talk to me a little bit about being involved in that and give our listeners though, just in case they're living under a rock in the world that they're not as aware of that program as I am. Give them a little bit of an update on what it was and Mm -hmm. what it was like to be a part of something that turned into a movement.
2: Yeah, it is an incredible experience, and I am so lucky and so grateful to have had that opportunity. So, I I started as an assistant brand manager on, on Dove, as I said, and it was about six months before the campaign really started coming together, and. Uh, the, so the Campaign for Real Beauty is the iconic dub campaign where it started with women in their underwear, um, really celebrating what it meant to be a woman. So all shapes, sizes, colors. Um, it was really about beauty without artifice. So we really wanted to change the definition of the way people thought about beauty. And it was a really, really unique experience. And um, I laugh a lot because I'm often in meetings now where people will bring it up as an example. And... Uh, I'll say, wait a minute, you were I don't remember you being By there. By the way, I was on that.
1: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> amazing. Amazing.
2: I had some awkward conversations over the years um, over that. But no, I think people ask that a lot of, you know, did you know that it was going to be so iconic? And I think that's one of the things that we often overlook in marketing these days is that, uh, we had a really good sense of intuition for that what we were doing was that important. And I actually think that was one of the challenges working on the brand for a really long time was that you really had this gravitas around the things that you were doing, because we really went out to change the conversation. And I'm not, I'm not involved in the the like a girl campaign, obviously, with, with always, but yeah. I think it's very similar. Like it you is. Just No, yeah. you hit that nerve. And it's, Felt important and really good. And I think that's a, a yardstick that we forget sometimes because we get a lot of data and, you know, it's this opportunity here or we're changing the CPM or flip the headline. But it was that intuition that we're like, wow, this actually gave us goosebumps. Yeah. Yep. and in a lot of the uh, research that we did, um, you know we had a lot of focus groups we talked to women and their daughters and just hearing some of the children talk about the way they thought about beauty in themselves was really it just hit you right in the heart and I remember one, one little girl she was eight years old and at the time it was Jessica Simpson's reality show mm-hmm. and was on and she, she looked at me and she said, "You know I, I like to follow Jessica and Nick because I'm very interested in their marriage and how oh, it God.
1: works and you're just thinking you're eight years Yay. old." You're used to be playing go outside play go play softball go outside mm-hmm. and enjoy don't look at Jessica and Nick I love that okay so two two big questions on this first I think you alluded to this but I just want to mm-hmm. make sure in the beginning before mm-hmm. it launched did you know the second it was kind of presented did you know that it was going to be as big as it was like did you feel it?
2: we could feel it I, I really i don't think that oh would be God. mischaracterizing it at all we just knew, you knew. it just gave us chills you knew. gave us chills
1: okay next question do you feel an internal pressure to have ideas that good all the time like are you are you always looking for your next real beauty moment
2: <laughs> it's a good question um i i'd like to say that i'd like to keep it's not a pressure Um, it's more of like the, you know, the searchlight. So it's constant and you're looking for those little nuggets that you can latch on to to turn into those moments. I think one of the challenges is really understanding what that means. I think a lot of folks don't, I don't want to say it's not that they don't want to, but the amount of work that we put into it, the detail, the, you know, right down to the in-store coupon and which girl did we put in casting on that because it would be inconsistent was you had to live into it. And so I think the opportunity to do that is there for a lot of brands. I think just sometimes that's just not the way we approach our communication. So it's It's not a pressure, but I'm always looking for those those hooks and those things because that's relevancy right, and that, absolutely that's where it comes from, and I think we forget that sometimes in the the quest for
1: yes quick hits right. It's more mm-hmm. about what's what's resonating at the moment that needs to be yeah. said. It's really it's, it was one of the most powerful campaigns I've ever seen, unbelievable, okay, and so now. Here you are at J&J, you're the global social media lead and you are, talk to me a little bit about how J&J, which is obviously so huge, structures its approach to social media with so many different brands. Mm -hmm. Tell me about where you sit and how that works.
2: So I sit as part of the uh, Digital Center of Excellence. It's a global role, global function, um, and it's across the consumer brand. So uh, we are split um, in terms of the different franchises that are at J&J. So pharmaceuticals is a separate one. There's medical devices. But consumers is certainly a a very large chunk of it as well. Um, We have different categories. So consumer categories like beauty, um, health, baby is a big category for us. So typically a lot of what we look at are Kind of in the need state level. So being able to really understand how consumers function, moms are moms, um, generally around yep. the world. There are some nuances. So that, that's typically how the approaches start, which are, you know, if I'm a mom, what are the types of things that I'm looking for, the types of utility? And then we get into the nuance. So for example, a mom in the Asian markets might be a little more connected to, say, a WeChat, because that's a platform that she does a lot mm. of things on. Whereas here in the US, Facebook is definitely what she's going to open up when she's got a couple of moments um, when the baby's finally down, you know, to take a look at things. So really understanding the context in which our consumers live but then by a need state is something that we definitely try and look at as opposed to a brand-by-brand brand, um, strategy first. So we we start at the top and then sort of funnel it down. So that's one of the big approaches that we have. The other challenge we have as J&J is, given that we do have the pharmacide, we're actually regulated yes. so, um, and heavily regulated, yes, yes. Um, which does present some challenges. So one of the comments I say often to some of
1: our newer ABMs that are, Kind of like, why can't I do
2: Snapchat? Well, you know, like,
1: <laughs> well, you can't because it would be totally impossible to regulate.
2: <laughs> it, well, exactly. I mean, we have to make sure that we fulfill our obligations as right. a regulated industry, and we're not Red Bull.
1: But don't you um, think? Don't you okay. think Snapchat will eventually come up with a way that regulated brands can participate because they limit such a, a large portion of the people that could potentially work with them.
2: Yeah, they do, and I mean, there are definitely there are yeah. ways to do it. You can do it. There are ways to do it, and you just have to help them understand what those regulations are. Yes, um, so they're not as onerous as I think people may think. Totally, um, and that's I feel that
1: way for sure. It's not not as scary.
2: Exactly, they're they're for good reason. Yep. Right. they're there for good reason, yep. and we want to make sure we're providing a really great consumer experience. Yeah. It does put a damper on. I, you know, I, I love that some agencies will come in and they sort of have that checklist of, oh, they're not on LinkedIn,
1: they're not on this, they're not on this, you should launch on LinkedIn. And it's like, well, wait, wait a minute, you know? <laughs> oh, right, absolutely. So do the strategies come from the center of excellence or are they, are they taken down to the individual brand level? Like what role does the digital center of excellence play versus the brand level? Give me kind of both perspectives.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So we do have um, digital leads on each of our franchises. So they're the ones that come up with the digital strategies there. My role specifically is more about global, so the channel choices that we get into, Mm. how do we know that we're ready to bring a Snapchat on, Um, I spend a lot of time. I laugh because, you know, of course, my parents have no idea what I do. Um, (laughs) I think I I tweet all day on behalf of of J&J, but I spend a lot of time with the lawyers. So uh, the lawyers here and the regulatory safety guys are some of my best friends. And I, I spend a lot of time demoing things like Snapchat and explaining how things work. And
1: uh, I, I think I'd make my dad proud because he was a teacher. And I spend oh, a lot of Oh, it is basically a teaching sort of capacity. Plus, you did that in your your little side hustle you had where you were showing people about Facebook. Exactly. You, have, you definitely so, have a teacher element in there. We can see that. It's it's a lot of that, to be yeah. honest. And I think being a really good partner so that I can be
2: a resource for everyone to say, you know, how – what is that best practice and how do we do that? And the way that um, Gail, our, our, our founder at the Digital Center of Excellence here – would say is, you know, we're the external-looking folks, so we're the ones that have to look for the, like, what are the new platforms, how the heck do we use them, what are the use cases, what are the best practices, what's changing, what's new, and bring that in and embed that into our businesses. So, Mm. you know, here here are the criteria for success and the, the switches you need to flip to make this work. Now let's match your strategy with that so that you can do the best consumer experience that you can in each of these platforms. So, that, that's kind of the role that I play as kind of the guide in terms of how do we make sense of all of this? Where do we get the data from? How are we using it? It's like being the subject matter expert for, mm. for the company.
1: And you mentioned criteria for success. Do, mm-hmm. you, do you at the center of excellence, do you set sort of what should matter for brands? And is it different for different brands depending on what the goal they want to achieve is? Are there, are there overarching metrics for success around social campaigns?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that we as social practitioners need to make sure that we insist on in all of our campaigns is setting those objectives at the start. So we need to know what we're measuring before we even get to the brief to some level so that we're designing the right types of content. And that does depend. So one of the the benefits we have to being J&J is our brands are really well known. So an awareness metric probably doesn't make a lot of sense because everyone knows what Johnson's baby is or what Band-Aid is. Um, But being able to measure things like is it driving click through Um, or really about the pieces of content themselves, I'm often surprised that people are more concerned about, you know, channel metrics or um, some of the vanity metrics we have as as opposed to, was this piece of content effective in in doing what I wanted it to, right? So really looking at those discrete elements first, because ideally then you start to become more of uh, the analogy I've been using a lot is we're now air traffic controllers, and the pieces of content are like planes. So I need to understand when is it ready to be launched? What's the flight path that it needs to go on? You know, What elevation does it need to be set at? Do I need to change that? And then when's the time to pull it out of the air, right? Or is it having problems and how do I fix that? So that that's the type of thing that we really need to do and the data that I need to be able to make those types of decisions. Whereas I think the way in the past we've looked at, at pieces of content is we sort of tossed them over the wall and they were done. And then we kind of get something tossed back over the wall that a bunch of people liked it. And then we just move on. And and that's not how these ecosystems are starting to evolve. So it's a little bit more involved. So there are success metrics, there are efficiency metrics as well. So did I pay a ridiculous amount to get people to see this? Yes. Um. You know, was it, did it need to be a minute long? Maybe it could have been 10 seconds long. Like there's all these uh, tests that we want to run to make sure that we're getting to the most efficient piece of creative that is going to be the most effective at delivering the result that we need.
1: Your air traffic control analogy is like my favorite of all time because it does. It helps what you this is why you are a teacher, by the way. I don't buy that you're not a teacher because you you are able to. So the thing that people need to know is that you're not. You shouldn't be focused on vanity metrics and channel based metrics. You should be focused on how the content performs within the channels and be able to look at how that particular piece of content is working. Does it resonate, et cetera. But you told it in such an interesting and cool way that people will never forget. My social ladies will now remember forever about air traffic control. I have a lot of analogies. I find it because, you know, what we do. It's really intimidating, right? Yes. Like, digital's really
2: scary, and there's lots of different numbers, and I don't know what they mean, and people are intimidated, and you don't want to feel dumb. Like, I don't know what that acronym means. So the more we can put it into analogies or ways people think or understand or make it really simple. I had a a boss that he was fantastic. He said, the smartest guy in the room is the one who can say things the most simply. Yes. And that really stuck with me because, you know, in digital, we, you know, you always get the people that walk in and they have funky hair and they're trying to confuse you to say that, you know, I know this thing. You don't know about the new network tomato. And, you know, (laughs) yes, exactly. You're right. Yeah. So you have to, you have to do that. I've got, I should write a little
1: book on all the analogies. You need a book of analogies and I will be the (laughs) first person to buy it because I love analogies and it really resonated with me. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So tell me uh, one of the brands at J&J that you're really proud of today. They've done great work in social. I'm super proud of baby. So, I mean, I think people think that Johnson's baby is uh, an
2: easy brand um, to work on because babies, babies and puppies, right? yeah, Lots and lots of engagement, but Um, We're really focused on the new mom experience, so we want to make sure that we're really connecting with new mothers. Um, the, the great thing for us is there's always new moms. Um, yep. So there's always new people that we're talking to and, and that's a really interesting way to set things up. So putting out content that's really useful. We just put out a series of content around sleep. So how to get your baby to, to sleep. There's a three-step ritual that we have. Oh, that's proven. love
1: it. It's Wait, great. how long, how long are you a new mom for? How old does the baby have to be when you're no longer a new mom? You're an old mom. Uh, we we generally go for the first year. So oh, within the first I've year. got one month left with my last one. <laughs> well, I've got one month, and I'm a huge Johnson's baby. I could talk about it all day, actually. So yeah, you know, well, truth. hopefully you've used some of our content to um, help you through. I think I have for sure, and I certainly know that. For it's interesting around sleep because I use the lavender wash in the evening. Perfect. The lavender, wash. yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I obviously, I'm definitely taking it in. I must be really absorbing all of the content. It's true. The lavender wash is my favorite. I'm obsessed, and you know the. I want to smell like the baby shampoo. I don't really <laughs> understand why it doesn't really carry that smell into adults because you can't you can't copy the baby smell. It's just the there baby you know. smell, and with Johnsons, it's unbelievable.
2: It's iconic. It's Uh, iconic. And it's just so exciting to have such an iconic brand and really bring it into um, this new way of communicating has been really exciting because, you know, that's where people are looking for the information and the data. So to be able to have all of that and the wealth of information that we have, um, you know, people are so much more interested in about what they're putting on their children, um, what's the best way to care for them and really make sure that their development is, is going in the way that they expect.
1: Absolutely. We have that
2: content. So we're really, I love I'm really it. proud of that.
1: Love it. And Edlin, tell me a little bit about your own. You're clearly very passionate about social media. And I know your family yeah. thinks you're just on Twitter all day. Tell yeah. me what your favorite social network to use personally is. You know,
2: right now I'm kind of obsessed with Snapchat. Me too. It took too. me a little while. Me it, too. It took me a little while. I'm older. Um, I, I play a millennial on TV, as I like to say. <laughs> um <laughs> So it was a little hard to get the user experience now, but um, started with Discover. I thought that Discover channels are really good, but I'm finding the stories are really useful. So I I love fashion, um, and during Fashion Week it was fantastic because if you follow the editors, their stories about being at the runway, right there, right up front close, um, and their perspectives about you know what was going on was just a really refreshing way to look at content. So Absolutely. I'm obsessed with Snapchat. I, was, I made a joke last night. I think that I, I basically now come home, um, pour a glass of wine, and
1: instead of watching TV, I watch, watch Snapchat. Snapchat. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I wrote a piece that was why Snapchat is totally counterintuitive to those of us over the age of 28 and why yeah. that's exactly why it's perfect. <laughs> It's like it's the it's an incredible it's an incredible network. I think it's definitely one to watch. So hopefully you'll figure out how to how to overcome some of the regulated challenges with that, because it will be really interesting to see as you go along. Absolutely. How that, that happens. One communication is fantastic. It's, it's I, I love it. Fantastic. OK. And where should people connect with you? if they want to connect with you. I know there's a million places to connect with J&J brands. Forget it. Just pick a brand and go there. So where should they go? If there is there a place to connect with the Digital Center of Excellence or, or Overall Johnson Johnson, or would that not be kind of what they would be doing? they go we to the do. brand.
2: So Overall Johnson Johnson, our corporate team, which they're fantastic, runs our uh, corporate handle. So okay. it's at J&J News okay. is the Twitter handle. so? And there's one at J&J Parents as well. So a lot of parenting oh, I content love that. comes out there. Um, of course, we're on Facebook as well. J and J, so J N J, the letter N. Yep. J, because ampersands don't play nicely. That's true. Um, we we have most of our brands on on the major channels, so you can look for Johnson's Baby, Listerine, Neutrogena, Aveeno. Um, all of them are definitely there. So check out a lot of our content. And me, me personally, I'm actually at Edlyn on Twitter. So if you have questions or, or comments, definitely reach out and let me know.
1: Awesome, Edlyn, you are one incredible social lady. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Curfin, CEO of Likable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter at Carrie Curfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likable.com.